All right, we'll let, uh, as usual, we got to let give a few moments here to let everybody come in. I hope everybody's having a great day today. It's just amazing how fast a week goes by. It seemed like just just uh, yesterday we we did our our last guest, Jim Horman, and uh, here we are now. We've got an excellent excellent uh, gentleman this evening. Uh, you're going to really enjoy this tonight. Um, We'll get, uh, like I said, I, I let, just a couple more minute moments here. Um, so, you know, I'll get I'll get things going here, folks. Tonight we've got Phil Taylor with us tonight. Oh man, the guy is all over the place, and this is what you want. I mean, the ener- you're going to see a lot of energy and feel it tonight, and um, it's just going to be bonkers here. Now we are limited to an hour of of the time. So we're grateful to get whatever time we can. Um, so Phil, how's it going? It's great, man. Good. Good. All right. As usual, I'm going to get this thing started. Giddy up. Let's go. Phil, <laughs> I'm going to ask you the same thing I ask everybody. What's on your mind right now? Rain. It's uh, you know, if you're out, if you live in the West and you're a dryland farmer, uh, this time of year, having a little bit of rain is everything, and it has been raining for the last 24 hours in Boulder oh and the area. And I tell you, man, it, you can feel it in your body. You know that sense when you're dry and it starts raining, you feel like you're a root sucking it up, you know, yeah. and your whole body, your mind, your soul feels hydrated. And uh, it goes well beyond just the importance of rain to crops. It's sort of the whole well, it's the whole well-being of the farm enterprise, you know, is sort of oh, yeah. hanging on rain. And um, and so with all the farmers that were working in the area, you know, they're they're getting a little bit of a pause, not being in the field, and they're able to soak up the rain, you know. And so for me, man, that's top of mind. My, you know, also my son is graduating high school. So the second thing on my mind. My son Thatcher, I got four kiddos. My oldest is graduating high school. And these these kids are just the light of my life. And I'm so proud of them and how they're navigating a very complicated and busy world. And um, I'm just this excited. Is tough, this is a tough time to be a teenager. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And I'm, you know, and, and you can do everything in your power to be a good parent. And sometimes it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and I can report that my kids are happy and healthy. And, uh, you know, high integrity humans. So that, that's the thing on my mind is that, you know, I got a high school play tonight with one of them and I'm just kind of digging where they are and it's a lot to celebrate. So th- those are two things. That's awesome. That's great. Well, you can tell, Phil, uh, we, we were together, I don't know what, three weeks ago, maybe on, on a Zoom line here as well. Um, but your energy tonight seems a little stepped up and I think it's this rain event. It's just... <laughs> It's just coming down for everybody. So yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. Now tell us where you are. And 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 I want to start with um where I first met you, Phil, was when with your uh your first vi- well, I don't know if it's your first venture, but uh Matt yeah. Ag. So let's start with Matt Ag, okay? So yeah. tell us where you are and, and what's happening in Matt Ag. Totally. Yeah. So I'm in Boulder, Colorado. Um I moved here like 13 years ago. I grew up um, in farm country at the top of the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, we rented our farm out to a dairy farmer. And I uh, grew up working for John Kilby, the dairyman, and then Lowell McCoy, who grew basically alfalfa, corn beans, in a very conventional system. And um, 
my grandfather and grandmother were a doctor nurse combo that had kind of moved there after the war. And I think they collectively delivered like 8,000 farm babies, you know, over their career. Wow. And, um, you know, I thought I was going to be a doctor um, just like them, but I, I ended up becoming a doctor of the soil. I had my PhD in soil ecology. That's why I came to Boulder was to pursue that um, academic career. And then, um, you know, eventually I just kind of woke up and I was found myself just way too cerebral, you know what I mean? Like just publishing and like trying to shape policy and, you know, do the academic thing. And I'm like, man, my fingernails are not dirty. I don't have any calluses on my hand. I'm not sunburned. And like, I'm just like, like four or five degrees away from, you know, the communities that I really want to be a part of. So I pulled eject from academia, started Mad Ag and, Mad Ag is a company inspired by Wendell Berry's Mad Farmer poems. And if you haven't read those poems, they're pretty radical. And those poems were written in the 70s, you know, call us as humans to reimagine, you know, our relationship to the earth um, based on love, based on reciprocity, based on community values, based on ecological, you know, virtues and principles. And for me, those are the things that animate my life and really animate Mad Ag and yeah. You know, over the last five and a half years, we've been on a journey of really figuring out how do we help farmers as stewards of the land, um, you know, transition and thrive in regenerative organic ag. You know, that transition's hard. Moving from idea to action, you know, is a big risk. Um, it's a cultural risk. It's a financial risk. What are my markets? You know, who do I surround myself by? And so Mad Ag really is sort of taking a holistic approach you know, to help farmers make that transition. And, you know, I can tell you more about all the things that we do, but that's kind of the origin story. And um, now we're working in like 25 states, you know, primarily with broad acre staple crop farmers, you know, corn, beans, lentils, garbanzo beans, you know, like lent, I mean, rice, barley, spelt, um, edible dry beans. That's kind of our wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So, Let's talk a little bit about regenerative here then. Mm -hmm. So do you guys, does Mad Ag as a company, do you have a definition for uh, regenerative ag? Do you have guidelines that yeah. that you want these folks? Okay, give us a little overview of what these look like. Yeah, the answer, do, do we have a definition? It, it's, it's the answer is yes and no. Um, and, you know, I think that... Uh, at the highest level, for me, regeneration is leaving a place better than you found it. And any step toward healing, your relationship to the place that you live on, your soil, any step toward healing your relationship to people is a regenerative act. And so for me, all are welcome to the regenerative revolution. If you are a human that's living well and focused on healing and building things like soil health and community, so I have a very wide definition of what regeneration is. Yeah. And because I, I'm a firm believer in not being judgmental, I really love I really love the conversations you can have under a big tent where you're not pointing fingers and polarizing like we see in our political environment this day. Oh, what sure. I love is just, you know, so much of this is grounded in our individual stories of self-improvement, improving our farm families and improving our relationship to the land. So that's my high level perspective. At the same time, we are big advocates of organic. You know, I like the idea of a chemical free future and working with nature, you know, to produce food. 
I like that for the health of our waterways and our children. You know, I have personal stories around what I think are probably, you know, health issues, health scares around chemical contamination. And, you know, so for us, we really help farmers, you know, move to organic using regenerative practices. Some of our farmers are also moving to the new ROC standard, you know, some of the first farmers doing that. And I think like, you know, a lot of the ROC standard, I really like, I actually helped write the soil health pillar of that standard, but you know, it's the, the markets are new, right? Like where's the premium, the added work, is it worth doing it? You know, there's a lot of, Right. There's a lot of pros and cons on, I think, being out on the edge of something like that. Some For some people, it works well. For some people, I think they're still sort of scratching their head going, hmm, this is for me. Um, and so we kind of have a both-and approach. Yeah. Now, ROC, that's coming out of Rodell, correct? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Re- regenerative organic uh, certification. I... I was going to do that in Indiana, uh, where I'm where I'm located at, and it just had a lot of extra baggage. I'm going to say, yeah. and I had no market that was willing to pay me to have that uh, that decal or whatever you want to call it on my certification. Yeah. So, Phil, I'll be honest with you, I've not done it yet. That doesn't mean I won't. Yeah, but uh, I I think you know there's two ways to look at that you know, do we, it's just another, another certification that you got to jump through some hoops. You got to fill out paperwork. Are you including or excluding certain people? All that, you know, so I I got, I'm both ways on this thing, you know? I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, we just, I don't know if you know, Luke Peterson up in Madison, Minnesota, a really great farmer, um, A-frame farm. Um, You know, we just helped him trade his first you know, I forget, maybe it was like 10,000 bushels or something of um, ROC corn, right? Yeah. Clear premium. I think it was like 15% above organic. So oh, a pretty right. sweet deal. Right. But that was the first trade. And that only happened, you know, three months ago, right? And so, um, yeah, we're keeping a really close pulse because if someone's going to go ROC and it fits your context, you know, that added premium, that added work, that added value needs to be recouped in the marketplace from our perspective. And so, you know, that's one area that we're really working on. And backing up just a little bit, you know, MAD is actually three, it's three entities. Um, We're kind of a a, a weird creature, so to speak. You know, we have the nonprofit at the heart of things, which is a lot of that on the ground, technical assistance, thought partnership. We also do a lot of storytelling. So we help lift farmers' voices so that they're more empowered behind their crop, their livestock, their products. That's That's the nonprofit. What we learned in that work is that without good money, a lot of ideas never find the light of day. So where does money come from in the farm? It's where you get your financing. And that financing often restricts your creativity. It doesn't liberate you, right? It's like, oh, shoot, I got to fit in this box. So in response to that, we started Mad Capital. It's a public benefit corp sister organization. And that's really all about providing financing for regenerative and organic farmers or those that are transitioning to it certified or not. Um, and so Mad Capital is a, is, a, is a pretty cool company that's really just an alternative banker for those who want to push the needle. Um, the other place that money comes into your farm is obviously through what you sell, the crops and the livestock that you use to steward the earth and make money. And so Mad Markets is another fledging public wow. benefit corp. And what the whole purpose of that company is to connect farmers to values-aligned buyers and connect values aligned buyers 
uh, to farmers. And, you know, that that messy supply chain is something that we really help navigate for both the buyers and as well as the farmers, because it's it's hard to be a marketing arm, you know, you know for all of your goods. And so we do a lot of work um, when everything from like, you know, like on one end of the spectrum, like Kernza, you know, the perennial wheatgrass at a land institute, we help market all of that for the new perennial promise growers co-op that Carmen Fernholtz and company started up in Minnesota. Um, and then we also do kind of standard commodity trading for like organic corn and beans. So we kind of run this whole spectrum on helping farmers place, you know, their crops with these values aligned buyers. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. And I want to go into each of them, but I want to go back first to yeah. uh, the, the mad ag part. Now, okay, so Phil, so if someone wanted to wanted to transition from conventional type farming into organic, do you folks have a division in your company that will guide <clears throat> and, and help people fill out the paperwork? And yeah. will you go with them when the certifier come and audits? I mean, you're you're doing that, right? Yeah, yeah. And we work a lot with. Yeah. Uh, we have a partnership with Rodale, actually. So it depends on the region. You know, it's like if you're a cotton farmer in the southeast, like we're not very well prepared to help that transition. Uh, yeah. We don't have boots in the ground there yet. If yeah. you're a dryland wheat farmer in Nebraska, like that's our wheelhouse. I mean, and, and the upper Midwest and then High Plains in Montana. Um, so we're not working nationally to do that transition work. Um, but we we actually are working with Rodale to help on that transition because they have a larger they have a larger net than us. And yeah. so, um, yes, the answer is we do that. But right now we're growing in our regions. OK, and, and Rodale, are they are they their own certifying agency or are they going through somebody else? They, they basically tee up um, someone else to certify. Okay. So okay. even the regenerative organic certification isn't managed by Rodale. It's okay. actually. Rodale helped create it, but the Regenerative Organic Alliance, which is run by Elizabeth Whitlow, is an independent authority that does all of the certification. Okay, that's probably a wise, a wise kind of a third party. Uh, yeah, keep it, keep it unbiased. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Okay. So now, uh, I'm assuming the same thing occurs too. If you want to go ROC, I mean that that that's a that's a lengthy form to fill out, a lot of paperwork. Yeah. And you can help that family farm and and get through this, right? Exactly. Yeah, and and I, I you know the parts I had trouble with on this fill were the um, I think there was some wage stuff in there, and yep. that's the toughest part. Uh, it, it's really I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I really want to step into this yet right now. So yeah, yep. What, what yeah, do you I hear you? About? I mean, that's that's the um. That's the stickiest part of the whole cert is the wage part, you know, and they, they actually have quite a bit of appetite to meet the farmer where they are. You know, it can be a little scary being transparent about, no. you know, who you're paying, how you're paying them, whether it's under the table, not under the table. Like, you know, are, are your is your family involved? You know, is your 12 year old like nephew, you know, bailing hay in the summer and not getting paid because he's just right. learning how to be a boy. Right. Like that. That's the reality of farm life. And, you know, when you fill out this thing, you're like, man, this, this, I don't feel comfortable, right? It's like revealing your financials or something to somebody. And, you know, my experience with the Regenerative Organic Alliance is that they, they're really willing to hear out farmers on a case-by-case -case basis and really figure out whether it works for you or not. So, I mean, I would say that um, 
in the early days of this certification, there's a lot of well, like flexibility is probably the wrong word, but there's a lot of um, there's a lot of willingness, you know, to like really hear what the on the ground reality is and respond to it. That's good because every farm is unique in its own way. So it's yeah. very hard to get a definition that just covers everybody. Agreed. So you got to be open. You got to be open. Um, I like your your answer you gave when I asked you if you have a definition for regenerative. I liked your answer. It, you have to be broad because we can't. You cannot get yourself in a box that that you're now constrained to. If some different concept or or some different yeah. metric comes along, and, and all of a sudden changes the current way you've written your rules. So I like that. You know. I'm kind of the same way, Phil. You've got to be a good steward of the land, and you have to be using the principles and implementing the principles of soil health, and you have to be reducing inputs. And if you can yeah. do that, you're regenerative. I agree. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's move over to Mad Ag now. Now, now, first, oh, wait. I want to back up. Yeah. The first time <laughs> I met Phil, I I get this phone call, and. He says, uh, hey, Rick, this is this is Phil Taylor from Mad Ag. And I said, oh, hey, Phil, how are you? Nice to meet you. And he said, yeah, I said, hey, I'm on I'm on my way to your place. So you're going to be around. And I said, well, yeah, sure. When you come and I don't know, I'll be there in about 15 minutes. Okay, <laughs> All right. Well, in pulls this this truck with a Colorado plate on it, pulling a camper or what, what do you what do you call it? A, uh, Airstream. Airstream. <laughs> And and here's Phil climbing out, and he is he is into this. I mean, you are on a tour across the Midwest to see your people, and yeah. Ever since that day we met, it's been it's been great, Phil. I've really enjoyed the time we get to speak together, and I love your ideas and the way you look at things. Um, so thank thank you for being in this space because you are doing a very good service because there's so many times the farmers may be re reluctant to raise their hand for some help, but yeah. you are there to, to fill that void. So I greatly yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, we love showing up. And I know Kelly Cheese writes on the call too. We did the same thing. After we stopped and saw you, we went down and saw the, you know, the, the Sutter family and we were hanging out with Chuck Ralph. And then we saw Will Glasick and yeah. you know, on the same tour. And we, you know, every summer, you know, we have very different kind of campaigns, but yeah, that, that summer we were on the road for a month, basically meeting what we felt like we're the leaders of the movement and um, really just, just learning. I mean, we're there to listen, to learn. And I remember like when we hit the area where your fields were and we were like, whoa, the whole thing feels different, right? I mean, there's not only insects flying around, but like, you know, you got all these polycultures and we're like, this must be the land of Rick Clark. Yeah. And um, we had we had a blast. Yeah, man, I, I feel the same way about you. It's a lot of fun to be in the saddle with you. Hey, yeah, thanks. Kelly, how you doing tonight? Uh, thanks for listening. Um, yeah, Phil, I mean, you know, the, this movement has, has really come a long way, but there's so much further to go. I just feel like we're just scratching the surface, but in the same regard, Phil, and you can agree or disagree with me, it's okay. Yeah. I kind of feel like, Phil, we, we're, we're maybe getting a little slippage here. I mean, it's almost like some of the audience is saying, okay, guys, you've been talking about this for three or four years now. Yeah. Uh, we got to get some proof here. I mean, where yeah. are your numbers? Where are the people that are supposed to be coming? What, what's, what do you think about yeah. this? It's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, 
It's interesting. I think, you know, society has really high expectations around the pace of transition, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, um, this is not like developing solar technology or wind energy, right? Which took a good 30, 40 years, you yeah. know, to do it. I mean, it, it takes on the farms that we work with. I mean, you can see some early indicators, you know, of change, but man, to see shifts and things like soil carbon, you know, and the things that we really care about. I mean, it takes a decade, right? I mean, it takes a while to yeah. change your system and create meaningful change. That's yeah. that's obvious, right? And so, you know, I think that society has this urgency, you know, around like solve climate change, solve this, solve that. And for me, like that hammer of like solve, solve, solve for me doesn't really like actually embody the broader and slower cultural shifts that need to happen because yeah. I'm a big believer in grassroots. I mean, I, I like the farm bill and all that stuff. It's important. But at the end of the day, I'm a big believer in grassroots change where like we change as a community, you know, like neighbors looking over fence lines, seeing each other in the coffee house and yeah. chumming together. And when you build those alliances and those friendships, you begin to shift, you begin to shift systems. And so, you know, that takes a while, you know, and I think when you look back in hindsight, it feels quick, but in the moment, it's too slow for a lot of the expectations of society. And um, yeah, I'm cognizant of that, man. I mean, even in like the the funder community that I'm working with, you know, to try to fund nonprofits and drive resources into farms, you know, everything's about like microplastics now, you know, in the ocean. And I mean, that's a big deal, right? But like that sort of like staying power of societal interest is really fickle. And so I think you are right. I mean, we need to have some proof in the pudding. Yeah. And um, I think that proof in the pudding is it has to come through a variety of ways. And there needs to be data. There needs to be farmer stories. There needs to be folks like you, like testifying in front of Congress. And, you know, there isn't one single way to like sort of lift the voice of this movement. And so I think we all got to play our role based yeah. on where our, our deepest and greatest gifting is. You know, where are you called? Where are you called? you know, to like serve the broader movement. And uh, I think that's a, a fun answer or a fun question for people to ask, you know, of themselves, because it's a lot of fun being engaged and we all need to kind of be at our work, you know, so we can hit all those different things to actually create a movement. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I get asked this often. I'm going to ask you this, this question right now. So, Phil, what what does success look like from now for the next five, from now to the five years from now, and now 10 years from now, what do you think success looks like? How would you measure Ooh, that? It's a great question. I get asked this all the time. I know, you know, so I'm going to answer it in two ways. One, I've become less attached to certain outcomes. Um, I'm very much, you know, there's kind of a mantra, like, is, is it, what matters in life? Is it the end or is it the journey? And I think in all the great religions, we learn that this, the journey is what matters, yeah. right? And so for me, I think we have to be very careful about not saying like success looks like 100 farms, you know, relocalized and doing this for this community. I mean, I think that it's very tempting to sort of like cast that vision. Yeah. But I actually think that we are in the act of recreation and it is very hard to give people a sense of what the future is going to look like. And what I would rather do is live and learn. And what I think of is like living the questions. Like there's a famous like German poet, Rainier Marie Rilke. 
And he wrote this wonderful book called Letters to a Young Poet. And the central theme of the book is that like the purpose of life is not to have the answers. It's actually to live the questions. And for me, I think we have more questions than we do answers right now. And so I like the openness and the generosity, that curiosity and wonder, you know, sort of creates. And like, ultimately it's about practice. Like when you go out there and hop in your tractor or you order a new cocktail of cover crop seeds, like you're, you're trialing, you're practicing, right? And, and the thing is, is you're moving in the right direction, but what that means for your soil for your community, for the economic health of your farm, we don't know yet. And so, you know, for me, when I think about success, I think about it in those terms. And it it, it helps me kind of take the weight of the world off my shoulder a little bit, going, I have to create a system that's different. It's going to like, you know, help solve the biodiversity crisis, help solve the climate crisis, help solve the food nutrition crisis, help solve the rural economic community crisis. Like when I start getting encumbered by those problems, I find that I, I, my energy kind of goes down, you know? And so I don't know, that, hopefully that's a good answer. <laughs> no, that's a great way to look at it. I've never had anybody quite explain it that way. And I like that. Again, you're not putting things in silos. Um, they all kind of, they all work together and they all need each other. Yeah. So I like that. Uh, that's a great answer. I like that because, you know, I even get asked, when I when I'm at Congress or meeting meeting with the, the bureaucrats, or whatever, you know, Rick, what 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 do we what's success going to look like for yeah. this? You know, yeah, and it's that's tough it, it, because there's so many things they've got to to worry about. Um, yeah, you know, the the farmers number one, they have to worry about the farmer. That's number one, and how are we going to satisfy? Yeah. all the needs of every farmer out you can't it's impossible yeah 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 and at the same at the same time while i say that you know i also have a vision that when i drive from colorado to maryland you know every summer that there's a tapestry of awesome crops being grown for both livestock and people farmers are growing not two or three things they're growing 18 things and they have markets for those things that reward them financially and that diversity creates you know, not only ecological resilience, but it yields, you know, economic resilience. And so like, I, I, you know, I have visions of like integrated livestock and crop systems, you know, revitalization of rural communities. Like I do have tactile things I can see, you know, but, but it's hard to say, it's hard to put numbers around them for me. Yeah. For me, it's a feeling like I want to hit bugs on the windshield again. Yeah. I want there to be the sound of birds migrating over see, vast areas. Those are things that Phil, I call, those are validations that, that what you're doing is correct. I, it's funny you say that. I just had somebody I talked to the other day said, you know what? I, I had to pull into the gas station and clean my windshield off for the first time in 10 years. Yeah. Because the bugs are back. Yeah. So those are validations that we're somewhere we're gaining here. Now, maybe it was that particular stretch of road there we're on. Maybe there was some stewardship going, taking place. I don't yeah. know. And you go 40 miles down the road and it's no bugs. I, I don't know. Yeah. And we don't know. <laughs> yeah. But at least somewhere that these, these little areas are starting to, to, you know, Southwest or I'm sorry, Southeast Iowa. I mean, that, yeah. that part of the state is just exploding yeah. with conservation and cover yeah. crops and, 
And that's what you need because then it becomes a polite gentleman's competition on who <laughs> can outdo the next, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. Again, again, folks, we're with, we're with Phil Taylor. If you got questions, please bring them to the, to the table. We got about 30 minutes to go. Cause Phil, he's got the most important thing in life to do. He's got to go see a function of one of his kids. There's nothing more important than that. I don't care what it is. So Agreed. you've got to make your, your family's events. Uh, Paul here, Rachel, rewind and put Phil's quote on Facebook, please. Yeah, I can, I can um, share that um, living the questions uh, sort of theme. Um, Rainier Marie Rilke is an ger old German poet, died long ago. I'm a huge poet. I, I believe in poetry so much because poetry is where we begin to language the future, right? Like, if, if you've ever been riding around in your truck and you're like, I don't know exactly how to say this, and but poetry is kind of where you begin to language you know, like for me, the regenerative revolution is like a spotlight in the dark. We are in uncharted territory. Huh. And and as we illuminate things, we are going to see things that are uncomfortable, that are inspiring, that are cool. And for me, yeah. poetry is kind of the human approach to bringing that future into language. And so for me, I'm a huge poet. Um, and if you haven't read Wendell Berry, you haven't read Mary Oliver, um, you haven't read John O'Donohue. I mean, these folks are true wisdom keepers that, you know, keep me afloat in my dark times. Yeah. Yeah. I often like to say, Phil, we're, we're kind of building the bridge as we go here. Yeah. Because we don't know what lies ahead. And, you know, some of these systems that we're, we're implementing today, I don't know what they're going to look like 10 years from now. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'll tell you one thing I've kind of learned, though, uh, sometimes we have to be a little less rigid and I've been very rigid about certain things and I've got mm. to relax a little bit and, and always consider that there may be a reset button is like what I like to call it. And I don't know if that reset is a tillage event or if that reset yeah. is a, is a biological, um, uh, I'm going to call it a chemical event. I mean, you know, something yeah. that's extracted from something in nature. Yeah. I don't know. But all I know is I've sometimes I get, I get myself in this little box and I gotta, yeah. I can't do that. And, and, and yeah. I, I don't think you do that, Phil. And I like that, but you're so open, you know, I mean, you've got, you live in one of the most awesome States there is. I mean, the think of the natural resources that state uh, gives you. And I think it kind of gets your mindset in that, yeah. in that manner. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, in a couple of different ways. I mean, one is like the, just the variety of ecological possibility out here is wild. Like I, I work in Boulder, but I live in a mountain town, 25 minutes up a Canyon and I go through a number of ecosystems. And so the variations variety, the way things construct and cobble together. And, you know, as I said before, like I spent 15 years as an ecologist you know, and I think like, you know, watching systems evolve, you know, you can take a lot of different directions, you know, and sometimes you do get boxed in and, you know, succession and primary succession and disturbance as an ecological event common in nature, right? And so you're sort of thinking around like, ooh, I got to try this again. You know, I'm going to have a different starting point. I feel like that's, you know, as we think about mimicking nature and regenerative ag, like, 
I'm not opposed to resets. You know, I think that they're, I think they can be really helpful as long as you're bringing all that wisdom with you when you do it. Totally agree. Totally agree. I, I, I've been a little too rigid on that and I'm starting to, to flex a little bit. So we'll <laughs> see. Um, but uh, we just have to be always ready for something different, you know, and, yeah. and try something different. Uh, Claudia has come on, agree family is first, enjoy Phil. I love your answer about success being the journey, especially for farming. Each step is a step forward to either learn what's working and what is not exactly right. Um, obviously we all know this, but um, sometimes we can learn more from a, and I don't call them failures. I call them out because I did not expect because <laughs> failure, failures too neg. I don't like negativity. I don't like it. If you've got negative yeah. people around you, you got to get different people because it just drags everybody down. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, my dad taught me long ago. It's like the five people you surround yourself with is probably who you'll become, you know. And so I yeah. think that, you know, what that means is, is like be very careful about, you know, your community. And um, it's very easy, especially in rural communities, you know, where you're you're really surrounded by the same people. Right. You might grow up going to church. You know, your youth group becomes your friends. I mean, it's just yeah. then you move into choir and softball teams. I mean, like that's how I grew up. And, you know, um, with a lot of mixed feelings, I decided to move my family to Colorado to sort of spread my wings. And um, it's had a tremendous amount of benefit to sort of shake up my community. I had a fresh bill. Right. And that helped me. It really did. Um, and I really miss being home. <laughs> yeah. So were all four kids born when you when you headed west? Yeah, the first kid, first two kids were born when I was at Virginia Tech. I was doing a master's in stream ecology. And then um, you know, I have a real heart for the tropics. I did a little bit of uh work in Africa and that kind of set my course into the tropical realms. And uh so I did my PhD in tropical ecology, really oh, studying wow. how rainforests grow. Um you know, oh, studying, wow. yeah, I was uh, all over the equator studying the role of tropical forests in the global carbon cycle. I was I was examining how does climate influence the way tropical rainforests grow? And what does that mean for the global carbon budget? Um, I was studying trees. I was studying soils. Um, and I thought I was going to be a professor. And then again, like, I was like, wow, I've written way too many papers and all my friends are citing them. But like, what am I doing in this world? And that's not a slam against academia. I think there's a role for it. But um, for me personally, my journey needed to get more grounded. So I I pulled eject and um, started Mad Ag. So what do you think about that? Give us your give us your thoughts on, you know, climate change. Give us your thoughts on yeah. what you just talked about, you know, tropical. How are we affecting the the carbon and just give us. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm a believer in climate change. I think that. Um, you know, I'm going to sound I'm going to sound a little weird, probably, but I think it, it, I'm really concerned about it. And I think it's not the only thing to be caring about. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's a I think it's a big deal, but I think there are more acute problems at hand, like the loss of healthy soil and the ability to feed ourselves with nutrient dense food. Yeah. I think like, you know, I'm more concerned with biodiversity loss. Um, and I think climate change, you know, influences all those things. I'm definitely concerned about it. 
I definitely think that regenerative ag is a major solution for climate change. But for me, it's not the only factor motivating me. You know, I see agriculture a little more broadly than climate change. Like agriculture is, it's that nexus point of like planetary well-being and human well-being. And for me, agriculture has been one of the most destructive forces on the planet. I mean, we've taken wild ecosystems. We've turned the entire prairie into, you know, from plains to grains. Like that has come with a significant loss of natural capital. And for me, agriculture, regenerative agriculture, it holds the promise and the potential to basically flip that entire narrative and basically make growing food as a powerful force for healing, not only land, but also people. And, you know, I think with that comes a solution to climate change. It comes a solution for feeding people in healthy ways. It comes with a solution for biodiversity. And so I, I really like to think about climate change as like, one of many things to address within a whole constellation of like things we need to be caring about. So you'll find me very rarely sort of like on the climate change drum. It also is a really divisive topic, you know, and oh, and people get really flared up about it. And I would rather, I'm a big fan of like com- common ground, right? Like underneath all of it, what I think humans care about is a love for each other and a love of place, you know, a sense of belonging. And I think that no matter who you are, political stripe, like having a care for home and stewarding it is something that everyone can agree on. And so I really focus my energy around that those common ground um, virtues, common ground opportunities. Wow. Phil, I just love, I love the way you explain your, your what you're thinking. It's just spot on. Because and if if people were paying attention there, the thing you said the most com- the most many times there was regenerative farming practices. They were that's the but that's the the driver that solves yeah. about ten different things. You know yeah. that's the center of the wheel, and you got all these hubs coming off, and one of those hubs is climate change. But that's exactly. just one of them. Yeah, and that's a beautiful way to look at it. So yeah. thank you, thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, so how old were you when you were traipsing around the equator, like in your late 20s? Yeah, I was, uh, well, I was like 24 till, you know, 24 to 36. Yeah, my wow. wife is uh, my just rock and life partner. I'm kind of yang and she's yin, you know, she's just a grounding yeah. force. And, um, you know, I'm so blessed to have an awesome partner in this life and, you know, while I was trampsing around the equator, she was basically helping build our home. And I, you know, I would, I was home a lot. Um, it's one of the great things about PhD and that is you have a lot of flexibility. You work really hard, you know, but you also have a lot of flexibility. So I was able to sort of use that flexibility to be a, a pretty fun and creative dad. And, um, you know, as they've gotten older, I've just wanted to be home more to watch and be there for them, go to the, you know, the events, like you said, and yeah, and so that was one of many reasons that kind of led me out of my kind of academic future. Um, yeah, I was 22 uh, when I had my first son, Thatcher. I'm 40 years old now. He's just turned 18. And uh, our first baby came uh, young and accidentally, I'd like to say. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been the joy of my life is to have a family. Um, you know, Mad Ag is awesome. I'm proud of it. But at the top of the stack, you know, being happily married 
and uh, having four, you know, kids that I was talking about a little earlier, you know, is just uh, that that's the ultimate for me. So I'm really committed to, you know, fatherhood, you know, being a good husband. That's I awesome. feel like those, those things are just so core, you know, to being a good human, in my opinion. So that's kind of top of the pile. That's awesome. Now, I'm not rushing anything here, Phil, but I'm going to tell you when everything you said is spot on. But when you get to be a grand grandparent, <laughs> another level, it's another level up. So <laughs> good. Well, I look forward to it. I don't, yeah. want to, I don't want to rush your 18 year old boy into anything, but I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. He just got his first like serious girlfriend and and uh, she's awesome. Um, oh, good. And, and I'm thinking like, whoa, like that your four more years. I was a dad like. Yeah. That, that's not very, I, you know, I, I did the math and I'm like, you know, I don't want to be 44 grandpa. I think I want to wait a little longer, man. Yeah. You want to be in your, you want to have a five probably in front of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, again, folks, if you got any questions, we're running out, we're running low on time. We got about 15 minutes. So Phil, let's move into mad ag now. Yeah. Now tell us, um, you know, you're bridging here. So, but what, who would you really do you have a preference on are you trying to help people get to regenerative are you trying to help people go to organic do you yeah. have and and what are your metrics i'm sure you got a vet i mean you just don't call phil up and say hey i need five hundred thousand dollars and you just yeah. write a check. i mean there's a process here so so yep. what do you, what do you got yeah so mad capital which is our financing arm you know one of the core criteria is we help farmers transition to certified usda organic and that is, um, we, we like that standard. It does. It's not for everybody. I'm not saying it should be for everybody as we've talked about, but what's really nice is there's, there's a system of farm design that you can begin to build around that's chemical free that we really deeply understand from rotations, from fertility and from markets. And if, and if you do it well, um, that, that premium in the marketplace can help cash flow. you know, I think at a higher level, like the farmers that we work with, are more profitable than their conventional neighbors, no doubt. And uh, we have very good data on that. And I think more profitability, you know, that that increased economic health trickles down into the farm family, and I think increases well-being. All of that, right? It can be socially hard to be the only organic farmer in your county or counties, um, and so we try to provide that kind of partnership. Um, and uh, you know, it, for a loan, you know, you call us up. You know, we, we do like take a total look at like, what are your five-year financials? Send us a schedule F. What's your balance sheet? Like we, we, um, we securitize the loans, you know, and, and where we get different is, is that we get really flexible on the terms. So, you know, most banks want P and I at the end of the year, what we do is say, Hey, listen, you're transitioning acres. We're going to stretch that payout. It might be like a five to seven year term note where you pay interest only during the transition. And then we get creative on paying that back based on the business model of your farm yeah. so that you don't you're not um, stressed yeah. out during those years of transition where rather than surviving, you can thrive a bit, invest back in your soil health, which you need to do. And then what we can do is stretch that loan out so that when you hit certified organic, you can afford to pay it, pay it back. And so getting creative like that, you know, and then we charge like market rate. I mean, like our loans right now are six and a half to 8%, um, you know, which is kind of, we follow the farm, the farm kind of index. Yeah. Um, but the thing that we do, and I think is what really differentiates us is that we really un understand regenerative and organic farmers. 
and we get flexible on the terms so that that farmer can really be confident in that transition and thriving. So that's that's where we do it. And we're moving into some cool creative like um, land access. A lot of farms are under collateralized. They can't afford to buy land. And so we're coming up with some pretty cool um, kind of financial products that help farmers get access to building equity in land, even if they don't have you know a lot of uh, collateral to put down. So um, yeah, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I love that. And, um, how many, I'm going to call it graduating. So if a person came in, went through your process, you vetted them, you lent them the money, and then they did their, their time and they paid yeah. the loan off. How many, I'm going to yeah. call those graduates. Yeah. How many graduates do, do you have? I mean, uh, hundreds. No, no, we're, we we fund a total of, um, let's see, right now it's 36 farmers across 13 states. Okay. Um, and this has been limited basically by the amount of capital we have. So, sure. you know, um, I don't look like a banker, you know, it takes a little while, you know, for me to like build my street credit and learning how to do financial transactions, right? So we've been working with a lot of really values aligned um funders everyone from like people like patagonia and the tinchet ventures to you know various um family offices and they have basically believed in us and we've been raising money into these pot these funds that we then use to lend out to farmers and so you know it takes a little while um to build that kind of investor confidence so that we can then build a loan library and so we're you know we're our own kind of startup Sure. And, um, and, you know, we're just raising another 25 million because we can, we actually have right now 140 million in funding requests that we can't fulfill right now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so we're in the midst yeah. of raising more money in order to serve more farmers. And, um, you know, we absolutely, we love, we're loving it. I mean, it's, it's going really, really well. We're getting oh, great yeah. feedback from the farmers that we're serving um, I think they enjoy the friendship, camaraderie, the equitable financing. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been a blast and it's working. Well, and the other thing too, Phil, you're building a community of farmers like Kelly and Dan. And now you can you can probably tap into those resources if you've got a gentleman or a lady that that yeah. maybe has some questions. Hey, hey. Dan, could you talk to so and so or or Kelly? Could you could you give so and so a call? And and I know those guys, and I know I know almost everybody else in this would yeah. definitely take time to help that. And that's what I like about this. It's community. It's people helping people. Yeah, yeah. We're actually um, kind of some something exciting. I'm working with Aaron Silva. We're going to launch a Mad Farmer cohort, and we're basically going to do a, a 12 month. And I have yet to reach out to you about this. Um, but what the cohort is going to be is basically up to 20 farmers that are generally farming the same region, same kind of practices. And we're going to do an intensive, um, intensive community build and sharing and learning. And we're going to do like a basically a 12 month sprint. We're going to build the topics basically around the management schedule around, you know, like we're going to start in July and we're going to dive right into like, how do you set up for fall cover cropping? Yeah. And we're going to build it out around the management schedule. And so, you know, I'll send that to you when we're kind of done shaping it up in the next week or two. Um, I definitely want to have you on the call on one of the sort of deep dives. But in that vein, you know, I think that 
you know, where we're headed is we want to do a lot more community activation. You know, that's, I think we've, we've, we've done a little bit of it, but I think the more that we can really, you know, pull people together toward common cause and do that kind of cross sharing, the better. Yeah. And, and you make, you make a very valid point here. You, you know, Phil, we have to be socially accepted within the community of what we're doing. And, yeah. and sometimes we're not. And, and when you're that lone ranger out there, you need uh, that maybe that help from like you or someone in your office to lend out that those words of comfort. Hey, it's okay. Uh, don't worry, you know. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Kelly's asking, um, Phil, when are you dragging the Airstream back to West Central Indiana to get insights on our mm -hmm. latest developments and practices? Uh, is that going to be soon? Is that going to be 23? Um, we, we right now are in the midst of uh, my big summer trips in Montana. We work with a lot of farmers up there that are kind of part of the timeless foods community. Um, uh, yeah. Point and you know, lentils and garbanzo beans. And, and my big trip is up there. I think in the fall, there might be a trip in your neck of the woods. And now that you've kind of named it, um, I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it higher on the priority list because I'd love to see you guys again. Yeah, there you go. And then Claudia, who, hey, Claudia, how you doing? She's on almost every week. I will have to contact you because my husband worked with a commercial lending group that has 500 lenders and they can see if they can work with you. That's what this is all about. The, you know, yeah. that's great. Thank, thanks, Claudia. There's Phil's given his, uh, uh, his email and his cell phone number. So uh, he's- Yeah, hit me up. I uh, pick up everything. I, I, nothing goes to voicemail. I don't even have a voicemail. So if yeah. you call me, I'll pick up. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And, and I, I don't always hear my phone ring because I'm around loud equipment, but I try to I try to return every phone call. Um, yeah. Well, so so Phil on on the mad capital, then, um, you know, uh, like, for example, we've had Robin O'Brien on here before, you know, Robin, uh, yeah. great, great person, great company. I'm assuming you guys can you guys go together or we have not worked directly with we have not worked with replant officially they are friends and they live uh well i think robin lives two miles that way oh my gosh um yeah so yeah we're we're, we're friends we swap notes um we haven't done any deals together um you know it can be hard to sort of stack capital types you know when you're coming into a deal it's usually best to just have one source of finance than to complicate it and yeah. so um the only time we do that is if there's a need for both debt and equity in the opportunity. Like if, yeah. if a farmer, you know, needs debt for their operating, but they're pivoting their business model, that's probably better suited for an equity partner, right? Like debt isn't really meant to take that kind of risk on. And so what we try to do when we evaluate an opportunity is to sort of stack and blend when it's really needed. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. Okay. Yeah, and there's a lot of great people. I mean, I mean, the regenerative finance space is just it's blowing up. I mean, Iroquois Valley is awesome. If you need land access, they're REIT. You know, SLM Partners is great. Um, Clear Frontier is cool. Belltown's got a different model. I mean, there's a lot of people moving and grooving. And uh, you know, it's uh, even if you want help navigating that, you know, if you need some financing. Like even if it's not with us, I'm happy to try to make intros and connect. I'm 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 huge about that. Yeah, I think um, I can't think of the 
Sarah Day Levesque is in deep into yeah. it. Um, uh, yeah, there's just all kinds of people that uh, doing this. I, I, it's just awesome. And and we need the energy. We need folks like you. I mean, Phil, I don't know how you sleep. You've got, you're just <laughs> wound up, man. You, you're yeah. going all the time. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, um, eating well is really important. Mm-hmm. Exercising, you know, I think like the inner life, the spiritual life, intending that is really important. Um, and, uh, I'm a huge believer in, uh, dipping in the cold water. I live right up along a very cold stream and I, I plunge in cold water, like pretty much every day. Oh, yeah. I know it's good for you, but I, I don't know if I can do that, Phil. Oh, uh, now you'll, you won't. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe, maybe if you ever come out here, I'll take you to my favorite dipping hole and, uh, we'll see what you, how you feel. It's, All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Hey, I feel, you know what? If we don't have any more questions, yeah, Phil, this has been awesome. I know you got to get to a, a an event with your your kid, and that's that's great. Any last any last closing comments you'd like to 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 send us home with? Yeah, I mean, the people on this call are the ones doing the work, you know. And I just have an enormous amount of gratitude for everyone here. And uh, you know, for me, the rubber hits the road with the farmer and the land steward, and. Um, Society is really asking a lot of all of us. And I just, above everything, I have an enormous amount of gratitude for the farmers that are pushing the needle, taking the risk and uh, making a better world. I mean, really. And so um, thank you to all of you that are doing better and making a step in the right direction. That's that's what I feel is most on my heart right now. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And, and, and Phil, I just love the way you analyze things. and. I can tell you're very well educated. You're very well read. You read a lot of books, and I just love the way you you attack things and and you always keep it open ended. You know, you're not yeah. yourself constrained in one one area. So, thank you. Thanks for being part of this movement. Uh, uh, we need everybody. It needs it takes a village, man. Absolutely, it takes so, a village. Yeah. Hey, Phil. Thanks. Have have yeah. a great time tonight, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. thanks awesome. Everybody. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Yep. Bye, bye.